Welcome to the Midlife Midsters podcast, your podcast for inspiration on being bold and saying yes to making the most of midlife. We're so glad you joined us for this podcast episode on volunteerism. This is Carmen. This is Michelle. And I'm Marianne. Um, And today we're talking with Christy Cole. Christy Cole is a neighbor, friend, and a person in our community who's had a long career in philanthropy, working with a spectrum of nonprofit organizations from higher education to direct social services to foundation work. Christy and I met through board service, and uh, we're really excited to have her here today. You're a very talented person that can do lots of things. How did you end up in the nonprofit world and working in philanthropy? My professional life, uh, taking on a role of an analyst, it was, I mean, I'm a writer and a communicator, a relationship builder. Uh, This was really, really hard. I had to become an Excel person. Uh, and a numbers person, <laughs> None of um, Excel. but uh, what it did was it gave me this sort of technical, uh, you know, under, uh, this underpinning of financial knowledge and the knowledge specifically of how these charitable vehicles worked. I mean, I understood, you know, endowments, how the spending policy works, how the investment of endowments work, uh, worked with charitable trusts and and um, and a lot of different organizations that had these uh, types of assets. And pretty quickly, I thought, oh, gosh, I really would love to work for one of these nonprofits. <laughs> and uh, I was offered a job doing fundraising for the American Association of University Women. They were a client of mine. Oh, yeah. uh, and they, uh, the woman who hired me said, um, you know, you can do this. And I said, but I've never asked anyone for a gift before. I've never done this. And she said, well, you know, if you believe you can do it, then you can do it. And she was right. And so I was a you know, couple of years there at AUW and then realized that the really great jobs uh, for learning in the world of philanthropy um, in, were in, I wanted to have a big shop experience. And so I went to work for the Naval Academy Uh, which was a really unique and special place to be. Um, At the Naval Academy, there's a focus on the moral, mental, and physical development of of midshipmen. And I found that that was a period in my life where I really developed a lot of um, integrity between uh, my values and the way that I was living my life and, and working in my profession. Uh, so that work there was really foundational to the rest of the work that I would do in philanthropy with other nonprofit organizations, either in you know, service to boards like at Doorways, in consulting with a, a wide range of, of local nonprofits. And then I really found my, uh, my current professional home uh, while I was consulting and serving in various volunteer capacities. So I... I uh, was really excited to have an opportunity an opportunity to work with the Community Foundation in Arlington. I had um, a um, I had an opportunity there. I had been consulting there, and I realized that from that seat, I could be in service to many nonprofit organizations in the community um, more than I could possibly serve as an independent consultant and I could work with people from all across the community and all across the region to help them uh, 
have the right tools to realize their charitable goals, whether that's giving or whether it's volunteering or you know bringing really bringing that congruence and consistency between their values and how they're involved in the community. So that's a long answer to your question. It's a great answer. Can I ask one follow-up question? Because I think it relates to what we're going to talk about today, which is sort of finding your volunteer path in midlife. Can you say more about like what was that values alignment that happened to you when you were at the Naval Academy? That sounds really interesting to me. Like what changed for you? It was clear to me that everyone there had made a decision to lead and to serve. And I was particularly admiring of young people who are 18 years old who are making the decision to, you know, put this, uh, their value uh, in service to country and in service to their values right up front. I mean, a lot of young people are there just, you know, at that stage of life, they want to have fun. <laughs> and, and so I was really inspired by that and then inspired by the donors that I was working with who had um, you know, really have fascinating and impactful careers, both in the military and in the work that they did outside of the military in business and in community leadership. And so it really, uh, you know, when you, and particularly in working with plan giving donors, those who were, you know, often, you know, 65 plus, I was seeing what it, looks like when someone has um, li- lived out their values. And and there's a, actually, and this is a sort of a, a sidebar, but there's a great column by David Brooks on um, eulogy values. It's a great column. Yeah. You know, the column from, yeah, it's, it's, it's from, gosh, probably 10 years ago now, but uh, about their resume values, values and, and eulogy values. And what I was seeing was that there were people who, you know, and they, they weren't necessarily living out you know, just as living out eulogy values their whole lives, <laughs> but they came to this understanding that it was not just the work that they were doing for their own professional, you know, success or for accolades or to get to the next level that mattered. It was the work that they were doing in community with other people and in helping others realize their potential and in doing that, you know, realizing their own. And so, you know, I had a unique window into people who had a lot of young people uh, and then people much older than me who were living out their values. And so, you know, that caused me to to really uh, see the path forward for myself. You know, Christy, listening to you when you were talking about growing up in Baltimore and looking for something in grants and gifts and giving and being part of a community, it sounds like you had that mindset of purpose at a very young age. Yeah, you've grown into it, but it seems like it's pretty innate and it's always been there. Do you feel the same way? I mean, look, for a period of time, I wanted to be a famous singer. <laughs> uh, I thought uh, we had those moments when L.A. Law was on. I thought that I definitely was going to be an attorney. <laughs> Um, you know, I, um, but you're I'm lucky like, enough to have that community purpose. I did. I understand. I did. And I, I think it was, um, 
it was just a lot of great examples in my in my life, you know, particularly um, particularly my parents, you know, my dad and his professional life, and my mom as a teacher of you know over thirty five years. So one of the things we find with um, midlife women is this desire to uh, find more purpose and to be able to live more passionately. So tell me a little bit about what do you notice about midlife and volunteering. I think sometimes people have a hard time figuring out how to get started, or they worry about what they're going to get themselves into if they start volunteering. Yes. And so I think it's really important to be able to say yes to new opportunities to volunteer and get involved, but also to be able to say no. Uh, and to know, you know, what really sparks your passion. And it doesn't mean that you try, I mean, you can try something and not like it. <laughs> you don't have to continue to collect volunteer roles and can, you know, you can switch gears and move on and, and try something else. And, you know, in, in midlife, I think there really is this tug between sort of uh, stagnation and generativity, you know, and, and, you know, there is a, a bit of a reckoning as, if, you know, if, if you're someone in midlife with children and as those children are moving moving on in their lives and kind of thinking about, well, what's next? And sometimes, you know, I do think women tend to think that a lot of preparation is required to take that next step in getting involved in the community. And, you know, what we bring uh, to our work in the community as people in midlife um, is a lot of wisdom, the wisdom to know what we know, what we don't know, to know that, um, you know, we can always be learning. We can, you know, and, and it's, it's not, um, you know, I talk to a lot of women who think they have to take a class before they join a nonprofit board or before they go to volunteer. <laughs> and, you know, they they want to do the learning and the preparation. And, and where, you know, whereas a lot of men, they think, well, my gosh, they'd be so lucky to have me. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, of course. <laughs> uh, but, you know, everybody brings their own unique superpowers to, you know, to a volunteer experience. And so you might have someone who, I mean, it may be tied to uh, a particular, um, you know, avocation that someone has. You know, somebody, we know a woman, you know her too, Carmen, who loves to bake. And she would bake birthday cakes for the kids in the family home at Doorways. Um, you know, I know someone who has beautiful handwriting who would always write handwritten thank you notes to, to donors. Uh, people who love working with kids. Uh, you know, who, you know, want to take on those opportunities to tutor and mentor young people in the community. Uh, it's really pretty endless, you know, the opportunities to try new things on for size and then, you know, move on if it's not uh, a point of passion for you. Some great takeaways there. You can, you can say no after you've said yes, if it's not quite the right fit. And I love your point about, I think, like you said, a lot of times women assume they have to prepare and they have to be um, studious in getting ready to volunteer. They should just trust their own wisdom and their own experience. That's right. And do you find some of these volunteers, do they bond in their own way and collaborate and bring a lot to the table with a different perspective as maybe those individuals that work or at staff at certain um, 
charities? I think the volunteers bring a really important perspective as community members. And what's most helpful uh, is when volunteers come in with a growth mindset and, you know, because they're often working with populations that they don't know a lot about, um, you know, or where they don't have the same lived experience. And so I think um, having that, you know, open mind is really, really important. Uh, I think that the, the staff uh, at most community-based nonprofits really, really values volunteers, but particularly when the volunteer can adapt to what's needed in the, in the moment. Uh, and sometimes uh, it's not just, you know, showing up to, you know, read to a kid, paint the fence. <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, part of uh, really being engaged in the community and engaged with the nonprofit is uh, learning and understanding the challenges that that organization faces and trying to help make, you know, whether it's connections to other people, other organizations, uh, whether it's you know, being willing to advocate with your local government. Uh, so I think, you know, when we th think about volunteering, um, you know, the best thing is to to really have an open mind to all of the different ways that you can be engaged and to know that it doesn't have to look like, you know, this one, um, you know, you're not necessarily going to be like the candy striper at the right <laughs> at the hotel, at the hospital. You know, so I think that's uh, uh, you know. And now I will say for for those who serve uh, regularly in the same you know in this, you know same volunteer slot each week, or they're serving on a board that meets on a regular basis, it's a great opportunity to make connections with people who you ordinarily would not be connected with people in different. I mean, that's what I've loved about board service, that I work with professionals who are, you know, in all kinds of different fields and have expertise in, in other areas that I don't encounter in my my day to day. Uh, and so it can be really fun to be on those those kinds of teams. I really agree with that because I was on that board for six years. And the other thing, it, it's very different from work. And it's very different from your social life. And I ended up with probably four or five board colleagues, maybe more, from that I still see for lunch or coffee regularly. And we um, have helped each other professionally. We network with each other. We also help each other in the community. The other thing I'll say is every time there's a local election, we all call each other and say, mm -hmm. who do we want to vote for? <laughs> and I always call Christy because she's always having to deal with the county board on one thing or another. So she always knows the latest and greatest. But that has been really valuable to me because some of them I never would have encountered. I never would have encountered them in the day to day. And that it's been a really nice addition to my life. It makes me feel more part of the t of the town that I live in. And especially when we live in the Washington, D.C. area, which is a big city and everybody's from somewhere else. It definitely makes it feel more like my small hometown. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which has in, been nice. I find like in my work, in my work life over the years and um, 
different establishments that you would work in, there is there is a culture there. But when you go into a place where you volunteer and there's staff and so forth, the energy there is very different mm -hmm. than going into a business that does not have that. I mean, for people to give up their time, they're not getting paid. People respect that. But the energy and the collaboration and just to do better in the community, coming together selflessly like that, it's a lot of energy. It's really positive. It is. It is. And you really deepen your understanding of a lot of issues and have the ability to see, uh, you know, beyond just, you know, your uh, individual experience or your family's experience in the community. And um, there are many people who live where we live whose jobs have been focused either across the river in D.C. and many even internationally focused and who've been in and out of Arlington over the course of their careers as they've, you know, lived overseas. And so, uh, you know, we don't all have the same kind of you know, when I lived in Baltimore, you know, we all had a similar baseline understanding of the place. <laughs> yep. And uh, it's really exciting to see that coming together for people, even people who have, um, you know, raised children in Arlington and been in the community for 20 years. They've been, you know, kind of one foot in and one foot out. And it's neat to see them kind of jump in with with both feet. You know, Christy, with the Arlington Foundation, the Community Foundation, for other women that are looking for volunteerism and community, whether they live in Texas, Washington State, is is there something very similar to Arlington there. Community Foundation? Community Foundations, gosh, there's probably, say, over 750 community foundations across the country, probably even more than that. And they um, are generally um, uh, organized by geography. I mean, mm -hmm. and there are uh, similarities among, you know, most of the community foundations. They really exist to connect um, community needs with resources and to help sort of have that bird's eye view of what the biggest and most difficult challenges are and, you know, to try to convene uh, donors and, and the business community and the nonprofit community. Uh, you know, to address those things. And so, yeah, there are community foundation resources all over the country. Uh, there are also, um, you know, in, in our community and in, in other communities, uh, there are often um, organizations that kind of aggregate volunteer opportunities. In Arlington, we have Volunteer Arlington, uh, and that's a, a great uh, resource. It's kind of if uh, a lot of communities have, you know, leadership name of the place. <laughs> and um, so those organizations can also be really good sources. And, you know, we also have, um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, I mean, here in the D.C. metro area, there's an organization called Compass. And Carmen, I know you, yeah, maybe you want to say a, a bit about Compass, because I think that's a good opportunity for people who want to do skills-based. Yeah. So I would say from what I know about Compass, that's a particularly good opportunity for not just women, but women and men who've had professional careers and have a particular skill that they'd like to bring into a nonprofit organization. And what they do is, um, so nonprofits will come up with a project that needs to be accomplished and Compass goes out and finds expert volunteers to work on a project. And they're often 
uh, not always, but I'd say they're often infrastructure based. So things like finance or operations, HR. HR, technology, and they get this group of professionals together. They form a team and they solve a problem. The um, the application process for the nonprofit organization is quite rigorous. So I think of that one as for people who've had long professional careers and haven't had time to volunteer and they know a very particular functional area or a kind of business thing really well, that's a really good opportunity for folks. And I think they do that. I know they do them in Washington and Chicago, but they may have other places in the country. I'm not, I think they've tried to- I just to know of those two, but they, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised. It's a great program. It sounds like there's a lot of different models that take play here for volunteerism. You're talking about Compass. Um, we talked about doorways. I know in Arlington, there's an organization. There's several, Dominion Guild, Northern Virginia Alliance League. And for to women, if a woman can't find that, it's something they can definitely start. And basically, it's women coming together monthly, looking at the smaller charities. They will do a campaign like a holiday lunch or something like that and raise money and actually just hand it to that nonprofit. Maybe it'll buy them a bus. Maybe it will expand on some other needs, but that's also a model that I find really inspiring to see that. Collective impact uh, is something that is really uh, very popular among women. You know, that uh, because that, you know, and believe it or not, there's the uh, Lilly School of Philanthropy uh, at Indiana University, and they have a whole group there that studies women in philanthropy. There's a Women in Philanthropy Institute. And so we actually know a whole lot about uh, women's giving patterns, and uh, they do generally tend to really come together around a you know social or communal experience. There's a lot of energy around collective impact where, you know, women come together and make a decision about something that they're going to fund. And, you know, everybody makes some contribution into that. Um, and there are opportunities for that in, in our community, for sure. Um, you named a couple of them with the um, Dominion Guild and the uh, Women's Civic Alliance and Northern Virginia, Northern Virginia Alliance. Alliance. I mean, there there are, and, and there's even one called Women Aid, where it's it's a very low barrier where people can come and bring a you know check for forty or fifty dollars and everybody votes on the nonprofit to support at the next meeting and the nonprofits have an opportunity to come and talk about what they do. So those are really great uh, ways to get kind of get exposure and learn uh, about the nonprofit ecosystem and kind of what some of the needs are. Where I think we get a little bit tripped up. Um, is that when women are in these groups, they often um, feel a little stymied to lead the way forward. Uh, and there are women who have both the, the capacity, they have the capacity uh, and the vision uh, to do more, uh, but maybe lacking some of the confidence to, to do that. And so, you know, what I what I hope we can do is create a space where, as women, we can support each other in realizing our own goals for philanthropy or for civic engagement and leadership. And, you know, maybe for one woman, that's a decision to run for public office, right? Uh, you know, it, and that's a, that's a big, audacious step to take. Um, 
you know, for someone else, it might be, you know, funding a new, you know, sexual assault prevention program, you know, because they actually have the resources and can can do that. And, and I think being able to celebrate that kind of leadership uh, is really important for us as women. And it's a little hard because we do kind of have an orientation to wanting things to, to be, you know, wanting things to be equal and wanting everyone to feel comfortable. And so it can be sort of scary to step out and say, no, I, you know, I, I see this need and I'm going to do something really significant to address it. (laughs) You know, I'm going to run for office. I'm going to fund this program. I'm going to build a coalition uh, or start a new foundation to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, it's um, so, you know, Part of, I mean, I see my role in the community is being able to kind of work with individual women to nurture those, you know, big ideas and goals along and then to begin to build a community of women who support each other in doing things like that. Marion, I think you and I, I mean, we've talked a lot about that because both of us have done board service and board president service Mm -hmm. and both of us in our respective ways had a number of insecurities about what we were doing. I mean, Christy was kind of my rock for the doorways thing because I was thinking to myself when the CEO resigned and then COVID hit like a month later, I was like, I could really mess this up, like really mess this up. And it took me like six weeks. I was really kind of panicked. I was like, oh my gosh, what, what am I, I can't quit. I can't, I can't step away. And like, I got to figure this out. (laughs) And there's a, and there are lifelines out there. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. No, you're not alone in in this. And I think it's you know it's sort of the the courage to both lead the way forward, and to be vulnerable and rely on other people, mm-hmm. which you know in collaboration. And and that's what you know I think as women that's something we do that's pretty well. Well, support yeah. and collaborate. I think we own it there, and it does make for an easier road. <laughs> oh, it does. Absolutely. What other questions do we have for Christy Cole? She's covered a lot. I admire what you do. Oh, me too. And I know, I've known you for a couple, a few years, but you're willing to have coffee with someone, have a phone call with somebody, help them navigate a situation that they might have um, and empower them, just like you were saying, that they have what it takes. Yeah, Marianne called me. They can do it with a board question. I was like, I know who you need to talk to. <laughs> well, I, um, I love being able to, to be a resource and I love being a connector and I love learning from other people. So there isn't any one of these interactions that I have with someone in the community where I'm not learning something myself. So do you have any special advice for somebody that might want to get into volunteerism? You talked a little bit about it already. Um, someone with no experience, somebody moving to a different area wants to get involved somehow on a local level, what they could do. I'd think about, you know, your three core motivational values, like, and, and what really lights you up. And it's funny, my, I, I mean, my husband actually is a, a great example, um, he told me, he leaned over to me one time and we were at a fundraising event and he said, 
every time they say the word mother, I feel like a, just something inside of me and know that I have to do something. And, you know, and it's because of the the role that his mother played in, in his upbringing, in his life, and how, uh, you know, she worked so hard for their family. And so he is really drawn to helping mothers. And so you have to listen to that voice that's kind of deep within you. I mean, and he, I mean, he's like, I, he's like, I'm tearing up every time they say that word. And so listen to in your, in your yeah. head, what is, uh, what is lighting you up? Uh, what can you just not stop thinking about that you'd like to, to get involved in and make, make better? Um, you know, f- for me, um, there's a word that I probably overuse, but it's opportunity. And I am... I am really lit up by the notion of creating opportunities for people, uh, for people who are struggling uh, to overcome adversity, for people who are, uh, you know, looking to start their next chapter. And so that that is something that really fuels a passion for me. And, you know, I think that's the, you know, and it could be, uh, you know, that you seek out an opportunity based on a life experience that you had. I mean, my uh, grandmother was a victim of domestic violence, and that had a long reverberating effect in in our family. And it's what initially connected me to getting involved with doorways. And so, you know, listen to those voices in your head about your life experiences, the things that just really inspire you uh, and and move you. And, and I think that's what a great answer. Start. I also think it's important to uh, note some people want to do things in the arts and with the environment and other stuff that we haven't really Absolutely. talked about. And I think that's another one that can be fun for people. I'm so glad you brought that up because here's the thing. Um, in the work that, that I do, uh, particularly when I'm working with donors who are putting together legacy plans. And this, these are, you know, plans that really reflect, um, you know, the change they'd like to see in the world and how they'd like to be remembered. And I'm often struck by the combinations of interests that people have. And so it's, uh, you know, the people who are interested in uh, free speech and public television who are also interested in animal welfare, animal rights. And, you know, it's, um, and there are often, you know, there are, t- there are links in, you know, between these different, uh, these different interests. And so there's just, uh, and the arts in particular are a real source of inspiration uh, for many people. And it's that way of connecting and reflecting on their lives and on society and on what, um, you know, I, I met with someone last week who talked with me about how uh, here we live in D.C. and the most important thing that we can do in the arts is to connect all of our children to real art, you know, because we have the Kennedy Center and the National Gallery and all of these opportunities and to, you know, enliven their minds and their experiences with that kind of exposure. And she's like, it impacts the way that, the way that we think and the way that we analyze and the way that we feel, you know, it's just, uh, and so I just love seeing people who have all of these different passions 
and you know and how that passion you know in the arts might also be linked to you know art therapy uh, for kids or it might be linked to you know art education or um, or just to bringing the most fabulous exhibits <laughs> that we could experience here. Thank you, Christy. Well, thank you. Do you, you have anything having... else that we haven't asked I, you that I you'd just love wanna... to talk about? Well, I just want to thank you for creating the space to have this conversation because I think it's a really exciting part of midlife. And as women, we don't lead. I mean, our lives are not as necessarily, you know, perfectly linear, <laughs> often not linear at all. But uh, there's a certain commonality to this experience at this age and an opportunity to reflect and think about, you know, what the next chapter is really going to look like for us. And we can write that script, which is so nice. Yep. And I think what's resonating for me is that advice to listen to that inner voice. It's going to give you a lot of cues to what you might want to invest in in terms of voluntary. That's right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for your welcome. We're so glad you joined us. We hope you found this a safe and inspirational place to help you make life the best that it can be. You can find us at AmericanMidsters.com. That's AmericanMidsters.com. Please let us know any future topics you're interested in. Thanks again for joining us today.